Ladies and gentlemen, are you feeling lucky? <laughs> On your behalf, it is my good fortune to introduce this afternoon's guest speaker, Rod Phillips, a man on a mission. As President and Chief Executive Officer of the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation, Mr. Phillips is leading its transformation agenda. And if today's room is anything to go by, a lot of people are paying attention. As we know, OLG sells much more than lottery tickets. For almost 40 years, its lotteries, slots, resorts and casinos have generated $32 billion into Ontario's coffers. Gaming proceeds also support hospitals, amateur sport, recreation, cultural activities, as well as health and education programs. And of course, with those benefits also come important social considerations and responsibilities. This afternoon, Mr. Phillips will tell, tell us about how OLG plans to transform lottery and gaming in Ontario. Part of this includes the prospect of a new gaming centre that could be located in Toronto's downtown core. And figures suggest that this has the potential to create 12,000 permanent and 6,000 construction jobs and generate more than $2 billion in capital investments. And of course, as we know, this very provocative proposal has a lot of people talking. And that's why we are very happy to be hosting this conversation today. Mr. Phillips brings with him a track record of leading major change initiatives. Prior to joining OLG, he was the president and CEO of Chappelle FGI, a leading provider of workplace health and wellness services across North America. He was also Mayor Mel Lastman's chief of staff during his first term as the mayor of the amalgamated city of Toronto. He's an energetic leader and the recipient of Canada's top 40 under 40. And of course, I would be remiss if I did not mention perhaps his most distinguished accolade, uh, which is as the past president of the Canadian Club of Toronto. <laughs> Mr. Phillips, uh, we are very anxious to learn more about OLG's plans, and I would like to welcome you back to our podium. You know, I, um, Allison, when I was president, I, it, we had thought about the idea of, uh, of inviting back past presidents and making them sell at the house, so that's, a, that's not a bad strategy. I, <laughs> Uh, thank you for the kind introduction, and uh, it's great to be here this afternoon. I'm delighted to have the opportunity to speak to the Canadian Club of Toronto. For over 100 years, this club has been the podium of choice for discussions that mattered, uh, not just in Toronto, but in Ontario and in the country. Um, so it's a great honour for me to, uh, to have the chance to uh, take our discussion, to take our debate uh, to this podium. Since I joined OLG in 2011, I learned that there are two guaranteed ways to get attention. The first is giving away a $50 million lottery winner check. Allison, we're not going to do that today. <laughs> it is one of the best parts of the job. Uh, during uh, that part of my job, I do get to meet some really sensational people. And at OLG, we particularly love the days when there is a group win. One particularly memorable occasion happened about a year ago. Some of you might recall, there was a group of assembly workers from Ottawa. On a Tuesday, they learned that they'd been laid off. On Wednesday, they won $7 million from 649. It was a great day and a worldwide feel-good story. The second way to get attention is to say two words, Toronto, casino. In the fine tradition of the Canadian Club, 
we'll be talking about that topic and it is certainly one of the topics of today in Toronto. I do want to talk, of course, about Toronto, but I also want to talk about OLG's plans for modernization. We think that our approach provides an innovative model that can inform the reform of government and its agencies in other areas than just lottery and gaming. Back in the day, when governments looked to monetize their assets, they really had one choice, to sell them. Now, selling assets creates a one-time financial benefit and, in some cases, is the right public policy choice. But there are two reasons why that's not so straightforward from OLG's perspective. We operate a legislative monopoly. So the first question is, how do you put a price on a government asset with the potential to perpetually grow its revenue stream? Second, the criminal code makes it clear that, in most cases, conducting lottery and gaming in Ontario is illegal unless it's overseen by a provincial government. Now, this is a fun fact that I like to share with my friends when they invite me over for a game of poker. If I'm there, it's legal. <laughs> the question remains, can the provincial government sell its exemption from the criminal code? The approach we've taken on OLG's modernization is an approach that preserves government ownership of the business and provides an annual $1.3 billion boost for years to come. It takes a $2 billion profit today and increases it to over $3 billion of profit. The modernization of OLG maximizes the value of the asset without compromising necessary oversight. It's an innovative solution that invites the private sector to share risk and invites the government to increase its revenues. I'll talk more about this in a few minutes, but first I'd like to provide you with some background on our business in Ontario and on why OLG is changing. Finally, I will touch on the topic of Toronto and the GTA. Lottery and gaming has been part of the fabric of entertainment and tourism in Ontario for decades. Last year, 8 million Ontarians played the lottery and close to 3 million visited one of our 24 gaming sites. The lottery began 37 years ago with the launch of Winterio, which was designed to raise money for community projects. Many of you will remember it. In the 90s, land-based gaming was introduced with the opening of casinos at Niagara Falls and at Windsor. Today, OLG is Canada's fourth largest crown corporation. By profit, we're the nation's 22nd biggest company. OLG is ranked higher by this measure than Magna, higher than TELUS, higher than Rogers. That makes OLG the largest source of non-tax revenue for the Ontario government. The title of today's talk, somewhat provocatively, is OLG in your community. We've been contributing to Ontario communities since 1975, and those contributions come in three ways. First, we provide close to two billion dollars for Ontario and its citizens to support health care and other provincial priorities. Since it was created, OLG has provided, as Allison mentioned, over 30 billion dollars to support health care, community infrastructure and the training of amateur athletics. Our second contribution is that we provide funding for our host communities. Every municipality that hosts a gaming facility benefits from jobs, local economic development, and direct funding. Last year, 
$92 million in direct support was provided to OLG's host communities for their local priorities. This includes $16 million to the City of Toronto for hosting our slots at Woodbine facility. The Woodbine slots location, which I'm sure many of you have heard of, is one of our busiest gaming floors and one of the busiest gaming floors in North America. Since opening in 2000, our 800 employees have welcomed over 55 million customers to that facility. On a cumulative basis, the City of Toronto has received over $178 million for hosting the Woodbine facility. Now, outside Toronto, in the 23 other communities where we currently operate, that funding also has a big impact. Let me tell you about one of those communities, Brantford, Ontario. Brantford is a community of about 90,000 people. We've had a gaming facility there since November of 1999. There are 55 gaming tables and 539 slot machines. OLG has touched the lives of people in that community, 800 of whom work in the facility full and part-time. Since 1999, almost $460 million has been paid in benefits and wages to those OLG employees at the Brantford facility. The municipality has received $46 million in direct support for local priorities. Almost $17 million has been spent with local vendors, and close to half a million dollars has been spent by OLG on sponsorships for that community. But that is only part of it. The employment, economic development, and direct funding have also been critical to the revitalization of Brantford's downtown. Mayor Chris Friel will tell you that the combination of OLG's business presence in the downtown and the direct funding is one of the major reasons that his community is experiencing a rebirth as a post-secondary education hub. In fact, to do a little commercial for Brantford, because I don't know if anybody from Waterloo is here, he would brag that soon there'll be more Wilfrid Laurier students in Brantford than there are in Waterloo. And as an alumnus, that's a good thing. The third way we provide support is to local charities. Each year, OLG provides $130 million to well-deserving charities across Ontario. This makes us one of the biggest charitable funding contributors in Canada. Now, as you may know, OLG supports charitable gaming through bingos in cities and towns across Ontario. Some 60 halls support roughly 3,000 charities. One example. The Windsor, Windsor Charitable Bingo and Gaming Centre support, among others, a charity called Youth Connections Association. Youth Connections provides after-school care and homework support for kids in need. Kenny Badabo, the Executive Director, explains, we teach kids how to be more constructive citizens. I'm grateful to say that there are literally thousands of great programs like Kenny's across the province that we support through OLG's charitable bingo. So OLG does make a profound difference in communities across this province. All the more reason for us to maintain that level of contribution. In fact, all the more reason for us to improve that contribution. Now, we've been running a highly profitable business for decades. And some might say, well, just keep it rolling along. 
But as the fine print often says, past performance does not guarantee future returns. We're in an environment where governments have to start doing business differently. President Obama, fresh off of his win last week, is facing a fiscal cliff of epic proportions. Governor Jerry Brown announced when he came to office that he found an alarming $28 billion wall of debt facing California. Just a year ago, we all recall economist Don Drummond talking about Ontario's own trajectory with regard to deficits, $17 billion to $30 billion. Faced with substantial challenges, government must make substantial changes to the way it operates if we are going to continue to support vital programs. So for OLG, we had to come up with a plan to do more. We went back to the drawing board, and this is what we found. The traditional OLG business model was failing. Advances in technology, changes in shopping patterns, changes in demographics, fewer Americans coming across the border meant that the contribution that OLG had made was at risk. Let me give you two examples of those impacts. Ten years ago, our border facilities, slot facilities and casinos, earned the province $800 million in profit. This year, that number will be less than $100 million. A decade ago, one in three adults under the age of 45 regularly played the lottery. Today, that number is one in 14. Times had changed. Consumer tastes had changed. And OLG needed to change or risk being left behind. If we had continued on our path, a minimum of $1 billion of public money would have been required just to bring our assets up to date. This would have simply been an exercise in maintenance. It would not have gotten us where we needed to be. OLG's modernization of lottery and gaming is about improving the customer experience, expanding jobs in our industry, and increasing our contribution to the province and the people of Ontario. To achieve this, we have three priorities. First, become more customer focused. Second, expand the use of regulated private sector operators in the delivery of lottery and gaming. And third, strengthen OLG's role in the oversight of gaming and lottery. Our plan will put us where our customers want us to be with the games that they want us to play. It includes an iGaming strategy that will make a full range of games available online. Currently, Ontarians wager over $400 million every year on online sites that are not authorized in the province of Ontario. We will be joining British Columbia, Quebec, Atlantic Canada, and many European states in offering regulated, safe online gaming. OLG's secure website will offer fun and exciting games and feature a comprehensive, responsible gambling program. It will include increased player protection, secure transaction capacity, data privacy, and mandatory registration of all players. We are currently finalizing our selection of an iGaming vendor and plan to be online next year. 
Our plan also includes expanding charitable gaming with new electronic bingo games in halls across Ontario. Ten years ago, there were over 6,000 charities across Ontario raising funds in 230 bingo halls. Today, there are just 3,000 charities operating in 61 halls. What that means to communities is profound. That is tens of millions of dollars of lost support to vital local organizations. So in response, OLG launched a revitalization of Ontario's charitable bingo and gaming industry with a commitment to reinvigorate the traditional bingo game. By doing this, we expect to deliver $475 million in much-needing funding directly to Ontario charities. Our second priority is looking to regulated private sector operators to help modernize lottery and gaming. At a time when governments are struggling with significant deficits, it just makes sense to invest private money, not scarce taxpayers' dollars, in renovating Ontario's lottery and gaming infrastructure. In 2012, it only makes sense that the regulated private operators should employ thousands of casino employees, not the government through its agency. Now, at the same time, we're expanding the role of the private sector we will also be strengthening OLG's role with regards to oversight. OLG will become a leaner, more focused organization focused on market management and oversight. Above all, we will maintain a gold standard when it comes to responsible gambling. We are proud to have earned the highest recognition from organizations like the World Lottery Association for our innovations. All of you as Ontarians should be proud that this province, Ontario, spends more money than any other jurisdiction in North America, $53 million to support responsible gambling. As we modernize, because that support is tied to revenue, the funding for responsible gambling will increase substantially. Now, when our plan is fully implemented, an additional $1.3 billion annually, annually will be available to the province and the people of Ontario. There will be billions of dollars in new private capital investment across the province, and there will be thousands of new, good-paying, permanent jobs. And I hope that we will have provided a case study for at least one approach for government to modernize the delivery of service. The end result will be positive for all of us in the province. Now, to engage the private sector in our plan, we've laid out a transparent and comprehensive procurement process. In the spring, we launched requests for proposals, and we've been very pleased by both the volume and the quality of the responses that we've received from around the world. Soon, we'll launch requests for qualifications and requests for proposals. Regulated private operators will take over existing OLG operations and be able to propose the construction of new gaming sites where approved in one of each of 29 gaming zones. For any new site, there must be public input and there must be municipal approval. Now, as part of this process, we've been talking to communities about gaming. And we've learned quite a bit in the last few months. We've learned that what we intuitively thought was the case is in fact true. 
communities support their local gaming facilities. For the purposes of modernization, we set out 29 gaming zones. One gaming site would be permitted in each zone. So far, 36 municipalities in those zones have indicated an interest in maintaining or building a gaming facility in their community. In fact, eight communities outside the zones have also asked to be included as potential hosts for facilities. Mayors from our 24 current host sites have told me that when gaming first arrived in their communities over a decade ago, there were concerns that the crime rate would rise. That never happened. Police, police chiefs tell us, in fact, that often our facilities help create safer communities. Many don't realize that our regulator, the AGCO, who works in tandem with the OPP, have a detachment at each of our sites. So in fact, each gaming site comes with its own police. A decade ago, Kingston, Peterborough, and North Bay all voted against a gaming facility in their communities. In the last few months, each of those communities' councils have voted in favor of a new gaming facility. So what happened? Ontarians have been comfort become comfortable with gaming when it's in safe, regulated environments. The concerns that were raised by critics never came to pass. As I mentioned, almost 3 million Ontarians visited one of our gaming sites just last year. Which brings us to our plans for the GTA. To truly become more customer focused, we need to locate our sites where our customers want us to locate sites. Customers in the GTA, Canada's largest population center, want facilities that are convenient for them, just like customers in any other business. Today, we have one facility in Toronto, I mentioned, at Woodbine. Our plan includes one additional gaming entertainment center in the GTA. There is tremendous opportunity for that new gaming entertainment center to be a truly iconic destination facility. It would be a gaming center with hospitality, retail, entertainment, and convention space. We see a center where less than 10% of the square footage is slots and tables. We see a project that connects well with the community it's in and that works well with the businesses that surround it. Now, when we're talking about a gaming entertainment center in downtown Toronto, it could mean a private capital investment of in excess of $2 billion. That would make it the largest urban, privately funded development ever in Canada. With the development of this scale, the job creation would be significant. There would be 6,000 construction jobs every year for three years, and 12,000 well-paying permanent jobs once the facility was open. There would also be benefits to the businesses in surrounding areas, meaning increased business, increased business startups, and employment. An iconic Toronto facility could triple the number of convention visitors that come to this city every year to over one million. This would put Toronto on the same field as Chicago, Washington, and San Francisco, among the top 10 convention destinations in North America. So we believe 
that this is a significant opportunity for Toronto. We're encouraged that the City of Toronto, right now, is going through its own process to arrive at an informed decision to see if they feel that a downtown gaming facility makes sense for this city. However, it is important to remember, OLG is not wedded to Toronto. We are open to the broader GTA. Mississauga, Markham, and Vaughan are also evaluating the potential to be the hosts of that one new site. A new facility in one of these communities would also represent a significant opportunity. A gaming entertainment centre would mean increased employment, in this case, 9,500 good-paying permanent jobs. A new facility in Vaughan, for example, would mean 3,000 construction jobs every year for three years. A new facility in Mississauga would expand Mississauga's already thriving convention business. A new facility in Markham would benefit the local economy, driving millions in local purchases. If OLG's Gaming Entertainment Centre in the GTA is outside Toronto, it will be successful. In fact, a facility outside Toronto could drive more profit directly for the province. Consider there would be lower capital costs associated with land. The bricks and mortar would be significantly less, perhaps as much as $1 billion less. And a facility outside Toronto would be easier for customers to drive to. Lower costs combined with greater convenience could mean more direct profit to the province, as opposed to the broader economic benefits of greater employment, capital investment, and tourism that are all part of an iconic downtown facility. But at this point, it's really up to the communities in the GTA to decide. We want all communities to make informed decisions. That's why we underlined at last week's Toronto Executive Committee the importance and the requirement for public consultation. As I said, we were encouraged by the Executive Committee's unanimous decision to move forward with those consultations. That's also why we're working with Markham, with Mississauga, and with Vaughan to provide them with the information that they need to make a decision. Ultimately, OLG and the provincial government will need to determine the best location, considering both direct revenue opportunities and the overall economic benefit. So we believe that modernizing the lottery and gaming in Ontario will add a great deal. It will add value to our business, add enjoyment for our customers, jobs for our community, and very importantly, the contribution that OLG can make to important provincial priorities. We're proud of the changes happening at OLG, and we want people to know about it. That's why we've launched a new website, modernolg.ca. I think we shamelessly put some of the uh, notices at, uh, at your chairs. But it's a site dedicated to sharing the details of modernization, its benefits, and its challenges to the people of Ontario. I encourage you to have a look Hear the testimonials. Hear the mayors. Hear the police chiefs. They're all there on video testimonials talking about the, the opportunities that come with the hosting of an OLG facility. Over the months ahead, along this uh, road of modernization, we will continue to talk about a new facility in the GTA. It is an exciting challenge that we have ahead of us. As all of you in this room know, 
it's never as easy as just pushing a button that says innovate or modernize. There's a lot of hard work, and there's a lot of hard work ahead of us. But modernizing OLG will provide new jobs. It will provide new economic development. It will provide new opportunity, and it will provide new growth. And ladies and gentlemen, modernizing OLG will ensure a strong lottery and gaming business continues to make its vital contribution to the province of Ontario for generations to come. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rod. Is this on? It's on. Well, here at the Canadian Club, we like to keep our audience on its toes. Uh, Rod has kindly agreed to take a handful of questions from us today. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, a couple of small house rules on questions. Um, one is to borrow from Alex Trebek. It should ideally be phrased in the form of a question. Uh, and then secondly, if you wouldn't mind just uh, introducing yourself and where you're from um, before asking your question. Um, to get, uh, we'll have roaming mics, so if you're interested in asking a question, please just raise your hand and one of the Canadian Club volunteers will come around with a microphone. And here we have a first question. Thank you. Hi there, Rod. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a bit about the arts and cultural community impact of such uh, ideas around uh, gaming facility. My brain goes to casino, but you say gaming facility. Um, and comparing when you look at the potential GTA centers, a Toronto as opposed to Mississauga or Vaughan, uh, because it seems to me part of this is not only what the community gets, but also what the visitors to uh, these facilities that are coming in internationally get and how Toronto's poised to potentially be a good partner and an effective value add for such a proposition. Great. Thank you uh, for that question. You know, it's interesting. When we, when we, say, um, when we say gaming centre, it's because... The casino part of that gaming center is about 10%. And what we're really talking about is a facility with a much broader scope, but where the gaming and the casino drives a lot of the activity. The question on culture is well placed. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, in fact, we hosted a, uh, a couple of roundtables with about 30 uh, leading cultural groups in the city, and we asked them um, what is good and what is challenging about this, uh, this facility and, uh, and the idea. And we got some great ideas, as, as you would expect. Um, the, uh, the opportunity, in my opinion, is to create uh, a nexus of activity uh, that relates to entertainment that can broaden the base of what's available in this city. But remember, the reason that there is so much excitement, the reason there are the major gaming companies from around the world who are interested in coming to Toronto is because it's Toronto. They are interested in spending 2 and $3 billion because of the culture and the excitement and the vibe that's already there. There are far too many casinos already in the world just to build a new pretty casino. You can ask me because I have a couple of them. Um, it's not as easy as just having you know, a, a pretty building. It has to be a facility and a context. So I think that culture is a critical part of that culture, and I say culture and entertainment, those components are, um, are a critical part of that context. What we have to do, and the reason why we, uh, we hosted the, uh, the meetings, was to understand um, how those can blend together. 
Um, it's not uh, that there aren't concerns in the culture community about, about what happens to my theater when, when another one comes to town. In general, I think competition's not a, not a bad thing, but I can understand why from some people's perspective that's, that's frightening. But we have such a bigger opportunity to bring a broader vision um, for what Toronto is. Um, and uh, it's interesting, but, uh, but many of these people from outside Toronto really see it very clearly. Does anyone else have a question? Quiet crowd, thank you, just in the back. If you'd like to raise a ask a question, you can please raise your hand so we'll get the mic to you in time. Thank you. Great, thanks. Yeah, uh, Rod, it's Mike York, Carpenters Union. Thank you very much, and you're right. You, you filled the house, so that's great. Good conversation. Uh, I guess I'll start it off with just a comment. In my neighborhood, I'm already starting to see uh, mobilizations against a casino. In fact, actually, there's signs that say no casino. So I would agree with you wholeheartedly that we need to mobilize some discussion and have the benefits out in the community, much of you, uh, as you have described today. And in fact, my organization, we represent some of the top trade show manufacturers that take displays all around the world. So the convention ramping up that component is so interesting to our organization. So what comments would you have in terms of organizationally, like mine, organizations like mine, what do we need to do to get that message out there? Thank, thank you, Mike. Um, we have been, been fortunate, and this is, this is, this is in my mind, an exceptionally healthy discussion. This is a real choice about whether this makes sense. And, you know, that discussion has been engaged by people who have, have a point of view that says, um, this doesn't fit in Toronto. It's also been engaged by, by Mike and his colleagues at the Carpenters, a number of other um, trade unions and, and business groups. And I'm reminded sometimes by um, our chair, Paul Godfrey, of, of when the convention center was built, which was, um, at least I wasn't involved in politics in those days, but he was. And he tells a story about how, how business and the Board of Trade and others who had a, a business interest and labor groups and other community groups who had an interest as well work together in tandem uh, to make their point of view heard. Very important to know that part of the requirement from the provincial government is that there be public consultations. The city has embraced that, and I would expect that those will happen early in the new year. So people with a point of view on this need to be aware of that, need to engage this discussion. My uh, expectation, uh, we had one such public meeting about a month ago uh, that the City of Toronto and East York Community Council held, and I think, frankly, people were a bit surprised because half the people at that meeting were in favor of a facility because they were in favor of the jobs and the opportunity and the cultural opportunities. Now, if half were in favor, that means the other half were against. So, so this will be a dynamic debate, and it should be a dynamic debate. It's been a dynamic debate in the other communities uh, who have approved moving forward with this. But, um, but I certainly would encourage uh, people of like mind to, uh, to see those opportunities. I mentioned our website modernolg.ca. There's a lot of information there. You'll find it's not all positive. We, we put all the media clippings up, even the ones that I look stupid in. Um, but, uh, but we put it all there because this is about a conversation. This is about as much how we do this as what we're going to do. Um, because I believe the basic argument about what we're going to do makes a lot of sense. So how we do it matters a great deal. Thank you very much, Rod. And I think I can surmise that there are not a lot of journalists in this crowd. <laughs> and so if, if uh, there are no other questions, I may invite John Capabianco to the stage, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Rod, as a, as a former president of this club, it's always awesome to see uh, another one come back and give a keynote, so well done. On behalf of the club, I wish to thank you for your outlining OLG's plans to transform Ontario communities in a bold and visionary way. Who can argue with an agency that sells dreams, provides excitement, and gives back to the community? It is impressive to see how OLG continues to transform, keeping pace with its customers and community needs, while at the same time being responsible steward of its resources. It is clear that under your leadership, the corporation is investing in excitement, both literally and figuratively. We are excited at the many possibilities that OLG is exploring and wish you success in seeing them come to fruition. We appreciate you joining us today and look forward to the possibility of welcoming you back once some of your grand gaming plans come to life, including and hopefully a Toronto casino. So thanks very much, Rob. Thank you very much, everybody. And thank you again, John and Rod. Um, well, I really enjoyed that talk, and my, as a daughter of two teachers, um, this is high praise. I really learned a lot today, so thank you very, very much. Um, again, I would like to take a moment to thank a very special thanks to our two sponsors for making today uh, possible, Ernst & Young and SEIU. Thank you both again. Now this concludes our television programming and this event will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We are very grateful to Rogers TV and to 680 News for their continued coverage of Canadian club events. To learn more about the club, how to get involved, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. And thank you all for joining us and today's meeting is adjourned. Have a nice day.